to a pastor and his people. I'm Pastor Dave Kane here with Terrell Stauffer. Uh, we are in a, uh, the Park Baptist uh, Church podcast is designed to help us get to know one another and help us be more faithful disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Terrell, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from. Tell us a little about your family. Yeah, well, I just want to say thank you for having me on here. It's a pleasure. I've uh, been attending Park now for roughly like a year and a half, two years. Um, became a member last January, not this past one, but the one before. Um, it was great. Nate Mylander is actually the first one that invited me to the church. And then I've been discipled by Wit um, for about a year and a half now. We worked through Ephesians first, um, and then now we're still in the book of Matthew. So what's a long book? Yeah, it's a long <laughs> book, yeah. Try to meet weekly um, or bi-weekly. So. Right. Well, where are you originally from? Originally, I'm, I was born in Pennsylvania. Grew up in a small farm. Grew up back Mennonite, actually. Um, and then... Well, just um, let's stop there for a second. Okay. <laughs> okay, Terrell Stoffer grew up Mennonite. Yeah. What does that look like? Okay. Wow. Um, that's a loaded question. It uh, It's a very, I guess, conservative lifestyle. Um, no TV in the way I grew up. Um, very few, I guess, outside of the normal lifestyle privileges. Um, we did have some luxurious things like we ended up uh, getting a boat um, but mainly just a lot of like avoidance of electronics and worldly things um, my mom wore cape dress and covering we attended a Mennonite church just, just only hymns um, very strict and it's in its uh, I guess their actions and their discipline church discipline um, but it was really it was really good at the same time because it it created a really hard work ethic in me. Um, I think it just lended to that because no longer was I had the even the option to watch TV. Yeah. Um, and that was that continued even beyond my family moving down to South Carolina and not become not, like, not being Mennonite anymore. It was still very much so. Hey, if you turn on the TV, Sports Center is your only option. And that was kind of like how my dad just raised me. Yeah. And as a result. I don't even like TV <laughs> or sports. <laughs> You're probably okay for that. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about um, kind of what happened to your family when you were younger in terms of what brought you down here to South Carolina. Yeah. Okay. So um, when I was eight, my mom actually passed away from uh, cancer. She had it for about four years at that time. So about half my life at the time, up to about four or five, she uh, was cancer-free. Um, so I have a few memories of her being cancer-free and then post four or five she uh, she got breast cancer and then ended up spreading through um, throughout her body and then ended with brain cancer. So it was pretty bad. Um, by the time uh, she couldn't speak, um, yeah, it was more of just like she she looked at us and that was about it. You could tell that she heard us though, just by her just by her actions. Um, when she passed away, um, it, it, my dad took a whole year to himself and refused to date anyone, and he just said, "There's no way I'm going to date." within that year. Um, and my dad's actions throughout my life have, uh, shown his wisdom. And I look up to my dad more than any other guy. Um, just because I, I truly believe that the suffering that he's gone through is extremely high. And as a result of that, his wisdom and, um, I guess his actions are just so respectable yeah. and his character. And, um, he owned a commercial roofing company, started when he was 24, um, uh, became really successful. Um, but the disease and the, the cancer kind of drove that into the ground because he took his attention away from the business and put it on my mom. And 
um, as a result, the business started to decline, but he noticed as a result of that decline that how much pride was tied into that company. Mm. And so he vowed at that, that time to not make another company that was extremely, um, I guess, growing. He kind of just wanted to have a cap on it. And so he always had a dream of moving to South Carolina. So after he was up, he was kind of just praying um, that if God was really wanting to move to South Carolina, like he would make that really clear um, either through a wife, through different terms. He had about um, five deal breakers that were pretty pretty <laughs> intense for a, for a wife. Um, a few of them just being uh, one, she had to be a virgin. So he's about 40 at the time. Um, he's, I think actually like around late, late thirties. Um, so she had to be a virgin if she, she could be married in the past, but not divorced. Um, and if she was married, then she could have no kids. Um, so those were three kind of big ones. And if you like really look into those, it's kind of like, wow, that really narrows down. And this is beyond like being a Christian. So like you got narrowed down to Christian, then narrowed down to this even farther and um, she had to be willing to pick up everything and move to South Carolina. So he's like, if I'm going to remarry, we're going to move, period. There's too much baggage here. Everyone yeah. kind of knows. We grew up in a small town, 800 people. Yeah. So it's like everyone knows the staff her name. And to, do, to be able to like incorporate her into the family, it's going to require that. Um, and so that was, that was a big deal for sure. So that, that's kind of what brought us down after he remarried her. Um, and kind of like made, made sure that he tested her independence and his ability to love again. He moved down, moved down to South Carolina. So you were uh, kind of raised uh, in the church and kind of had an idea of Christ and, and all that. What kind of really brought you back uh, in, in recent years? Yeah, so um, when I was 12, I sat down at the kitchen table with my sister and I actually. It was really cool. And we were both just curious um, under the preaching of Dr. Monroe at, at Calvary Church. Um, we really heard the gospel for the first time and what that really meant. The Mennonite church, uh, does not preach the gospel regularly. Um, and not just that, it kind of has a somewhat of a twisted view of salvation. It's, it can be works based yeah. a lot of times just cause that, that, um, I guess lack of consumerism yeah. just kind of feeds that pride and says, you know what, I'm not value gonna... work ethic. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. And so, um, just hearing that the gospel of grace clearly preached at, at, at Calvary, um, kind of made my sister and I really longing, to place our faith in Christ. And so that's what we did at 12. Um, and by God's grace, he saved us. And kind of moving into middle school and high school, really struggled, um, became addicted to pornography in high school. That was a massive battle for me. Um, and then just really stopped caring too much. Uh, the whole I became like numb to the Holy Spirit. It was so clear. Um, and then like in Psalm 51, when David is, is um, basically his long prayer, after he sins with Bathsheba and killed Uriah and it's like, he says, take not your Holy spirit from me and cast not your presence away from me. Um, and I think conversely, he knows what would happen if he just continually committed adultery yeah. and continually did went down this path. Um, and I think that's really what happened. I just became numb to any kind of feeling and it just almost became this, this thing that I had to do this sin that I commit that wasn't even a big deal. Um, and that really like, stunned all my growth that that you could tell that one addiction was just like no more growth now on the outside it looked great i was like the the pharisees i was living a hypocritical lifestyle 
Um, on the outside, everything was great, self-righteous, but then on the inside, I was, I was really prideful and, and addicted to that. And so moving into college, I had the opportunity to play soccer at Winthrop. Um, and through that, I had a gateway to partying. And so I started partying my freshman year of college. Um, alcohol um, was definitely prevalent. Um, small amount of drugs. Um, but by God's grace, I didn't really struggle with, like, um, I guess, sex outside of the pornography still um, and the lust outside of that. Um, and then once I got a girlfriend, um, met her my freshman year, uh, September or so of my freshman year, we started dating in December. It made me really realize that I want to get my life back on track because what did I want my family to look like? I respected my dad so much still. Deep down, I knew that he was right in all of this. His teaching, um, I mean, Proverbs makes it clear. If you discipline your son and you show him the way and you re- like just show him the word, he will not depart from it. Yeah. Eventually, he will come back. And I felt like that was so, so evident in my life. Like deep down, I just knew my dad was right all along and knew that his teaching was correct. And um, I guess because of that, I was like, okay, I know what I want my, my model family to look like. So later down the road um, in a relationship, it was just kind of figuring out, okay, if I know I want my, my family to look like this, then what are my actions going to look like now? be able to determine that and so that's really like the mindset kind of switched there it was like becoming like from like oh i'm just living this life for myself to hey i gotta start thinking about my family already yeah and my actions my dad has always told me if your actions don't line up now don't expect them to line up in the future and for me that became really true my freshman year of college i'm like hey my actions don't line up now so i decided to kind of get involved with different things slowly over time. So BCM became part of my life, then park. And then just like kind of like slowly infiltrating myself back into church, back into things like this. Um, and so I guess just over the course of a year of dating, um, God really turned my life around just then. And, um, I ended up quitting the soccer team. First of all, I just realized that it was like one, of, one of the many idols in my life. Um, and really caused me to, to stumble quite often. So I, I felt like I should should uh, quit the team. So I did. And then kind of uh, just through some really big struggles with my girlfriend and I, um, both spiritually and, and within our own relationship, um, we ended up breaking up a, a little bit over a year later in, this, in December as well. And at that point, through that suffering, because she was truly the, the, the God of my, the throne of my life. Like she was, she became my idol. And um, I guess through that, um, that there was like a, that suffering, um, really produced like that perseverance and the character that like made my hope for the future. It was yeah. like, my mindset was now no longer on things of this world, but on the future. And from then I kind of like have really been thinking, okay, Terrell, you living for these 80 years or 80 trillion years. And I, I find myself to like, really like start thinking about that more and more, especially lately. Um, and just going through the Sermon on the Mount is like, man, am I living for the kingdom of heaven yeah. or am I living for something else? Amen. Well, it's been fun for me to watch you grow. And of course yeah. that December yeah. when that, that began, that trial really began, I was sat down with you for a cup of coffee and that was like the first conversation. And then God has just kind of opened uh, your life up to the life of the church. You've been an absolute blessing. Uh, to park. Well, two quick questions about the church. 
Um, we kind of know that you were brought there by Nate. How has it, that God used the church to encourage your walk in faith? Yeah, I would say primarily through discipleship. Um, I've been asked to have, like, if I would like to be mentored before by other people, but it wasn't like, it wasn't the type of mentorship where it was, hey, you can walk and live life with me. It was like, maybe we'll mow me once a month and I'll just kind of like throw some stuff at you. It wasn't a friendship, but um, I went to the first Bible study with Park. Um, it was at the guy's house <laughs> and um, Wit asked for my number and texted me texted me and a few other guys and asked me um, if I would want to go get breakfast. And so me being kind of open to networking, I'm always kind of been told by my dad, just hey, be open to people pouring into you, yeah. be open to wise counsel. I mean, we see that in Proverbs again, like in much counsel, there is wisdom. And so basically we should read the book of Proverbs. <laughs> my dad, my dad reads a proverb day yes. every day of his life. Billy Graham too. So he, it's uh, wise counsel there. Yep. So, I've always been told, Terrell, read a, read a proverb day and you'll be a wise man. So, um, But really through the discipleship, through the community there. And I, I know that's kind of a, a standard answer, but I just feel like that discipleship is, is an anomaly um, at Park and not really somewhere I found else. You know, I've been really humbled uh, lately just to see how much that, that one-on-one discipleship, that mentoring – really is a staple of park where maybe other churches, maybe not as so I think God has been very, very kind to kind of grow that yeah. in our, in our people. Um, well, part of that discipleship kind of spurred you to say, okay, what do I want to do with my life? And he said, you know what, why don't I just go to Egypt for a summer? The thing I love about Terrell is that <laughs> you brother is that you don't really go halfway, right? No. It, it, your personalities, you're kind of all in or not at all, right? Exactly. And, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go to the mission field. Why don't I go to one of the most dangerous, most secular, most uh, anti-Christian places in the world and spend my a summer in Cairo, Egypt? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your time in, okay. in, in Egypt? Again, this could be like a whole day session, right? <laughs> sure just just in this. That. But um, okay, so my decision to go to Egypt was really um, kind of through the pushing of of I guess my my surroundings and, and wit is. The fact that, hey, if our command as a Christian is go and make disciples of all nations, and that is kind of like the first and foremost thing of like, hey, what is God's will for your life, your sanctification? But beyond that, what is his command is to go. And if I'm to go, then maybe that means overseas missions. And if that means overseas missions, why not at the most dangerous place? Why, why would it be like I have the privilege to go to Europe and spend my time in Germany, which is not too different than America. So I guess through much prayer, I, I decided that I was going to spend two months in Egypt to determine if God was really sending me full-time missionary kind of thing. And if he was, then that's his will and that's what I'll do. Um, but if it wasn't, I was praying that he made that really clear to me. And so I spent 10 days in, in Germany preparing beforehand in Munich. Um, and then just kind of what to say, what not to say, ways to not make yourself, uh, I guess, stand out yeah. too much. Obviously, as a, as a white American, <laughs> we stand out pretty clearly among Egyptians. But um, And then just going into that culture and immersing myself for a month and a half and just pouring into four or five guys continuously over that time period was uh, eye-opening. I was able to see the, the Islamic and Muslim culture firsthand and really experience what an unstructured legal system looks like and able to see the amount of poverty, the garbage, the, the smell – just will forever be on my nostrils. It is 
insane to think of these memories that are so vivid yet in my mind, yet are already almost a year away. Yeah. And it's well, like, it's wow. interesting, too, isn't it? We think, think about going through Exodus as a church. The, the issue of smell was so prevalent in that in that in the story of the plague. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. really kind of affecting me. Well, one of the things you told me yesterday, which I thought was really interesting, you said a lot of times when you do mission trips, you really try to go for for breath and try to touch a lot of people. Yeah. Right. You kind of made the opposite decision. Rather than going for breath, you really wanted to go to go deep with uh, uh, some friends. So t- yep. tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So a lot of my friends that were there on the trip, the other missionaries, there was about there was me and two other guys and five girls. They were all long-term in their their uh, viewpoints. They all said, you know what, I feel like God is calling me to the mission field. Not only do I feel like he's calling me to the mission field, I feel like he's calling me to name missionary, North Africa, Middle East mission mission field. And so with that, I was like, well, I just don't know. So if you guys are going to take the long-term, kind of take rest more frequently and really like do this, this wide sewing over a long course of time, why don't I just go sprint for two months extremely fast, constantly, with four guys and just see what I can do with these guys' lives. So I really like just – And just, just, just so you know, the, the, the missionaries on the field have been there for how many years? So the uh, the the head missionary has been there for 12 years. 12 years and seen, has seen one convert, right? Well, so it's a very, yeah. very hard soil. All right, so yeah. go ahead. Very hard these, soil. These four guys. These four guys. Um, they spent every day with me at Isabel, and I would not really take <laughs> take a rest day too much. And the, the, the culture, as I, was, as I was telling you yesterday, in Egypt is very much a late-night culture, especially during the month of Ramadan, considering that you can only eat, drink, have sex, and smoke from nighttime to the morning. And then from morning until night, you can't do any of that. It's complete fasting. And so because of that, it just lends to <clears throat> the, uh, the night culture that it is. And so I stay up till three between 3 a.m. And, and 7 a.m. most nights. Actually, I, I didn't tell you this even, but I did not have a single gospel conversation where I clearly said, shared the gospel. Now, we had religious conversations in the mornings and throughout, but I did not have a single gospel conversation before midnight, anytime I was there for a month and a half. Yeah. Almost all of my gospel conversations came after 12 o'clock. And this is unique to you because you are a morning person. You'd much rather yes. go to bed early yes. and get up at four o'clock in the morning than ever go to bed at four o'clock in the morning. This is one of the many reasons that why when I left Egypt, I was on my very last leg. Yeah. I'm very much of, hey, go to bed at nine o'clock and wake up at five in the morning. That's kind of like my my ideal. And when I was going to bed at five, I was like so thrown off. And it it, it really like hurt my sleep schedule. But I was like understanding like, man, if I want to be with these guys, I'm going to immerse myself completely in their culture. I'm not going to limit any aspect of them. So their culture is very much of a um, don't really care about um, sleeping in a bed with a guy. So they'll when they come over to my apartment, all three of us piled into a bed. And I slept with a smelly Egyptian with his feet near my face. And there was that. There was, hey, we're going to go grab a bunch of street food. And it's going to be at three in the morning and you're going to eat this massive meal at three in the morning. And did I want to throw up pretty much almost every time, but you know, I just kind of swallowed it down and just like, okay, wait till you get back to the apartment and then you can do whatever you need to do and throw up. But like, it was just like, you just got to do what you got to do to make sure that they understand that you're just trying to respect their culture because it's very much of a respect shun culture. If, yeah. you, if you're not going to respect me then I'm not going to really respect you. Yeah. 
Well, and the thing is, is that when you go all in, we know this from Apostle Paul, I became all things to all people. And that's really what you're trying to do. I want to become all things to these Egyptian brothers, yeah. right? I yeah. want to love them. I want to care for them. I want to help them see the gospel. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're going to, you're going to convert them because that's the, that's the, that's the Lord, right? Yep. The salvation belongs to the Lord. It's very clear in the scriptures. Um, but you were able to impact people and actually get to the gospel, which is rare in that culture. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a wonderful yep. blessing. And yeah. So I, I had the chance to read scripture with them multiple times. Um, I really had to figure out how to battle the, the, I guess, the Islamic debate firsthand. Like, I didn't really go in there with all this knowledge about the Islam culture and did not go in there about knowledge in, um, uh, like, I guess the specific debates that are going on within there. And, like, just simple things like uh, one of their main arguments that is that Jesus is the Messiah and that he was crucified, but he didn't die. And for me, that was, like, what, what? Like, time out. You'd think he was hung on a cross, but he didn't die. And yeah, they say, uh, they they use Matthew to, to say that. They, uh, Jesus says, um, the only sign that will be given to them is the sign of Jonah. Yeah. Three nights and three days um, in the belly of the whale. So the Son of Man will be three nights and three days in the, the belly of the earth. And they say, okay, well, did Jonah die? Well, no, he didn't. He didn't die in the belly of the whale. So the Son of Man did not die in the belly of the earth. And that's kind of like the one, one thing and just kind of like walking them through, Hey, here you can read the Bible in multiple different ways. You can read it literally at some points. And then there's also a lot of metaphors that Jesus used, especially in, in the gospels um, to show different things to the Pharisees and, and to the Jews that he's speaking to. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, well, as you kind of are nearing graduation, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of prayer requests. Uh, uh, any, any specific prayer requests that we could be praying for you, um, those who are listening. Yeah. So I'm going to be moving into the financial industry um, and specifically financial planning and business consulting. And so just prayer that, that I will be able to use that for the ministry, that if that's really what God wants me to do, that not only will he bless that, but he will like clearly show me that that is what, what he, where he wants me. And if not, that he closes doors and ma- makes it really evident that he doesn't want me there. Um, I think that's kind of like the main prayer. I could use right now. Got it. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Terrell. We thank you so much for how you have made him, God, and just uh, how you have uniquely gifted him in certain ways. We, we thank you so much, Father, for him as he's finishing his education, Lord. We pray as he's uh, entering this new uh, financial world, God, that you would uh, use him for the kingdom of God. That in conversations that he has, that uh, it wouldn't just be about the business, but God, they'd be able to impact people for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. As he said, as we've been working through the, the Sermon on the Mount, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So God, I pray that you would make uh, Terrell one who seeks first your kingdom and your righteousness, God. And I pray that you would make him a mighty man of valor uh, in your kingdom. Uh, so Father, we thank you so much for this day and what you've done in his life. And we look forward uh, to the future things and how you are going to use them for your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.